So she says, What are you going to make the cells of vagina out of? And he says, You'll show me leather. <laughs> I mean, uh, if you've got that chamois leather lying around and you've got nothing another use for it, I mean... Spray paint it, you know yeah. what I mean? Get it silver. Get it get the, make the belt of nipples out of some salami. It'll be, it'll be a hit. It'll be a why, Christmas hit. Why is it silver? Why isn't your vagina silver, is my question. I buff it. You buff it? <laughs> With my chamois leather. Um, oh well, there you are. See, I, I muff it. Oh, uh, welcome, poor unfortunate soul, to the big damn <laughs> where we buff our muffs. Yeah, we've had one hell of a fucking week. Um, yep. We we mm, and it's 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 culminating in us having having nay forcing ourselves. To watch two motion pictures as part of this two, ongoing pseudo two series. films. Yeah, we've lo- we've we've lowered it to two for this episode because we're going for shorter run times overall, folks. Keep up. And um, and I figured we'd we'd have two mostly good things before we move on to the the wet fart that does in fact end the Fox's X Men universe. Um, yeah. Welcome back to our X Men retrospective. You're probably thinking if you're new to this. What? Yeah, go back. Yeah. Look at the thumbnails. Look for the glowing yellow thumbnails. You'll be able to catch the previous episodes. We're going to be talking in spoilerific detail yes. about uh, 2017's Logan and 2018's Deadpool 2. So if you've not seen those movies, I'd be I'd be surprised if you listen to this and you haven't you, seen at least one of them. Do you think they missed a the trick by not calling it Deadpool? Oh, well, no, I, 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 I admire their restraint in not referring to it more as DP2 um, uh, in the marketing more often. Because, of course, DP, very short for Deadpool. Now, I um, mean, there's already yeah. a lot of movies called DP2, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't really, especially on the, especially on the adult market. Do I have to have watched Double Penetration 5, <laughs> Carpet Burn, uh, before watching DP6, um, the whole damn thing? I don't know. I'm t- clearly, we've not watched these two movies. Or if we have, we've watched them ripped without the official titles mm. in, the M- in the MP4 mm. download version. You've but, definitely um, watched all of them legally paid for. But before um, we move on, filth bags, I'm Chris... Fuck Wolverine Johnson. And I'm fully vaccinated! Yay! That's not a joke. He actually is. Hey, it's great. You know what that means. Not not, not much of the minute, really. No, no. (laughs) Still stuff that can't be done. (laughs) It means I'm full of the AstraZeneca and the 5G. You can go to the cinema, go watch a movie, and then come home and brag to the rest of us that you've gone to the cinema and watched a movie. Yeah. And go, oh, yeah, thanks, Matt. Cheers. To be fair, I did that before I was vaccinated last year during the the summer of, oh, maybe this will be over soon. But we're actually making it worse <laughs> by doing all the things that we shouldn't do, but we're going to do them anyway because, oh, my God, we're all just praying for something to change. 
And plus the government convinced 90% of the population of our country that you should all go out and eat now. Yeah, eat out. Go out and eat. It'll be fine. It won't cause an inflammation whatsoever. I hope they, I hope the public hold it over their heads forever. They won't. They won't, because people forget stuff easily. Like how you, gentle listener, have probably yes. already forgotten uh, uh, to check back on the Big Damn Channel on YouTube, because, uh, believe it or not, since we last spoke, uh, the film review's gone up. Uh, if you want to find out my thoughts on the brand new Zack Snyder movie, Army of the Dead, uh, no spoilers and then mild spoilers abound, head to our YouTube channel, Big mild Damn Channel spoilers. on YouTube. It also gives you a chance to listen to this podcast if you are a YouTube user more so than your, oh. your podcast apps. You can listen to it through there as well. Yes, um, and check out a whole back catalogue of videos, uh, Big Damn Love series, uh, Spider-Man Month, there's loads of shit on there. Go give it a watch. You can check it out, but should you? Yeah, I filmed the thing. Go watch it, you didn't <laughs> <laughs> It's really fun because I, I was uploading it. And it I was is Chris. It, I, I so. put it in the Big Damn Review um, playlist. And, and I say at the start of the review, you've probably noticed there's not been many of these in the last year. That's because there's not been any film releases. But even mm. when there has been a new thing to talk about, we've been talking about it on the podcast instead. Um, but we're only really going to, going forward, we're only really going to cover a new release if we feel like it is the main topic that week to chat on about, really. Mm. Um uh, and failing that, we'll we'll slip up a dirty little review on YouTube. Um, but it was very strange to look at the playlist suddenly leap from March 2020's The Invisible Man to Jesus. May 2021's Army of the Dead. Jesus! It's like, oh my God, what has happened? Um, so yeah, that review's out over there. Uh, as for news this week, uh, Eternals trailer dropped. That's a trailer. It looks pretty, and uh, yeah, yeah. What can I tell you about it? Uh, no, nothing. It is, it is interesting how Gemma Chan on on a lot of the marketing press release prior to this trailer was listed as like the, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth cast member. Yet the trailer quite explicitly confirms what Kevin Feige has said in interviews before that she's the main character. Yeah. It's like yeah, she, yep. Cersei's the main character, not Cersei. Who's she playing? Who's who's she playing? Angelina. No, Jolie she's playing, playing Cersei. Cersei. Is she? Who's Angelina, yeah. who's Angelina Jolie playing? I don't know, some other person. Some blonde Angelina Jolie. Um, let's have a little... I'm going to pull it up on my big screen. Yeah, lines. you do that. You do that. Uh, she's playing... Angelina Jolie's playing... Athena. There we go. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Gemma Chan is Cersei. It looks very pretty. Um, there's a nice visual style to it. it. It seems to be its own little thing. And then at the end... Remind you, oh yeah, no, this is part of the cinematic universe. They're having a round the tape, round the kitchen table conversation about the end of the Avengers. So <laughs> you've had two years to catch up, everybody. If you, if you are surprised by what they say in the trailer, then it's not you. Um, also, it's interesting to see uh, Kamal Anjani as Kingo um, in a Bollywood sequence. Yeah, why not? Colour me intrigued. So yeah, that looks good. Uh, thoughts. People have them, enjoy them, keep them to yourself, or tweet them to us. We don't care. At Big Dumbcast. Um, and don't forget, as always, if you want to get in touch about anything we talk about in the podcast, uh, or anything that's going on in a Big Dumb Stream, or just any news that you, you'd like to hear our opinions on, uh, keep it relevant. Email us bigdumbcontact at gmail.com. That'll cost you zero pence, but at least a quarter of your immortal soul. <gasps> Speaking of immortal soul, um, yes. Logan. <laughs> it's about death, isn't it? It's Logan. a western. 
It's, it is a western about death. And old, bald British men ranting about Taco Bell. I mean, basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, Our X-Men continues! Do, 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 with the third Wolverine film. Third time's the charm. Yes. Yes, yes, it, yes it is. It is. <laughs> this is this is really good and remains really good after all this time. Um, so we're wibbly wobbly. Uh, yes. We're wibbly wobbly with this one. We are in an alternate future. 2024? Uh, 2029. 2024 2029. is when everything starts to, to go to shit. And then 2029 okay. is uh, where we where we catch everybody. Um it's uh it, it's brand like if you wanna if you wanna box set this with another movie and imagine that they follow on from each other, the only one that really makes sense is the first X-Men. Give the first X-Men a watch and then give this one a watch, and that works as a double bill in terms yeah, of Yeah, I suppose. Doesn't contradict itself. The Statue of Liberty is mentioned, it establishes that Logan comes to the Xavier School and Charles starts to help him figure out who he is. Like, there. That's the extent of anything that you need to know um references to the cage fighting stuff as well yeah references to the cage fight uh uh visual references to to cerebro the big uh the big tank that xavier's like living in is very sort of like a battered old cerebro chamber um that's kind of it really in in terms of in terms of what you need to know going into logan and that's kind of all you need it's it's a spider-man homecoming or a batman movie it's like yeah we know that you lot get the basics as as a member of the public so and it's kind of the only x-men film that's done that to this point and that's super refreshing Mm, mm. so uh uh there's a company that has been providing shit to the world called uh, transigen um that has been improving ways of life for people and changing how things go and uh, creating brand new crops and, and ways to sustain life through on the planet through food and fuel. Yep. And suspiciously, around about the same time that their company comes into prominence, mutants stop appearing in the United States and then the rest of the world gradually. Yes. Um, uh, meaning that, like, they're all but extinct in terms of new mutants. There are a few out there. New mutants! Ugh. There are Yay! a few out there, and they're roaming around, including, past the Mexican border, uh, Caliban. Um, a completely again, different this Caliban. This is an alternate seen future, before. so, yeah, yeah. Pre- pretend that it doesn't... Uh, oh, God, but yeah, yeah, we are already one movie on from the last film, and it's a different fucking Caliban. It's literally the next film as well, yeah. Um... Played by Stephen Merchant, who does a pretty damn good job. Don't really don't often get to see him in dramatic roles, and he uh, he does a great job with this. Um, we also have um, sorry, I'm just, I'm looking at my cast list here. I've just realised that it doesn't actually list Caliban. That's really weird. That oh no, there odd. it is. Sorry, there we go. It, yeah, no, he's just toward the bottom. It's very strange. Uh, we have um, Logan, James Howlett. Who again? You have to forget any continuity completely because he knows that that's his name in this for some reason. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, Logan, uh, who is now working as a, a sort of a limo driver and party car hire driver guy, um, uh, keeping to himself. His mutant powers are waning, presumably with age. Uh, his reflexes aren't as good. He can't quite pop his claws as easy as he used to. He takes 
longer to heal. His stamina's struggling. He, he needs, in the nicest touch ever, and in a move that actually kind of suits you, Jackman's face, he needs reading glasses. Yeah. Um, which I love that the fact the first couple of times you see them, they've still got the little store-bought label on them. Yep. Which is a nice touch. Um, and they are hiding in, in a big old uh, fallen tanker in the farmland that they're sort of occupying or own or what have you. Uh, Charles Xavier, who is in his 90s and has to take heavy medication to stop him from having psychic fits that cause everyone around him to seizure. Mm-hmm. And that obviously, the longer that goes on, the closer they are to... Um, to dying or being seriously damaged. So it's already kind of like, oh, this is odd. Where's the X-Men? Where's the mansion? Where's Good the legacy question. stuff? What's the haps? Who's this mysterious, slightly cyborg-looking motherfucker called Donald Pierce who's like, hey, by the way, we know you've got Xavier. Uh, we know who you are. We're not going to bother you, but if this if this woman comes to you, uh, tell me. All right, bye. Bye. He's like, okay, and thus begins the plot. Um, do you know what's really weird? This film keeps often being referred to as a western because it's one of the bigger inspirations for for James Mangold crafting it and the story as well. And it also um, heavily references Shane. Yeah, yeah, and and it's it's sort of biggest its biggest comic book parallel, though not a one to one translation for many reasons, some legal, some out of taste. Yeah, uh, is Old Man Logan. Yeah, it the is the of, loosest, like in yeah. rough concept only, like I mean, got, adaptation few, of Old Man Logan. It's got a few Logan, similarities. Yeah. Like an older Logan has to um, courier someone across the country to get yeah. them from one place to another in a future that is far removed from the Marvel Universe or X-Men continuity that we know yeah. along the way you're going to bump into familiar characters or character archetypes Yeah, and Wolverine is in that he avoids violence in this he can't really dish it out the way he used to so yeah. avoiding conflict is the better option for him now um, and that's kind of it really in terms of the com- the comparisons I mean visually they play on it a bit the the the, the the farmland in across the Mexican border is very much like sort of the the ranches and that that he lives on, and and Old Man Logan, and obviously you get a lot of stretched out desert stuff. Yeah, um, having Donald Pierce be a villain and, and essentially have they're they're named once, which I quite appreciated. Uh, the Reavers be in the film, like yeah. they are they are, they are the antagonistic force that they're up against. Means you've got some kind of pseudo futuristic, you know. Oh, they've got cyborg parts. So yeah. you've got a bit of that going in visually. Although we don't um, get the dude with the tank tread legs from the comics, no, sadly. which is such... A, uh, the closest we get is they drive some tanks at the end. Yeah, it's not, not the same. It. It's not the same. It would That would have been a fucking baller move. And to be fair, again, everybody, spoilers for Logan, spoilers for Logan. By that part, when you've got an, a de-aged clone of Wolverine, you could have gotten away with the dude with tra- tank treads for legs. I don't know, I think that's still a jump. Well, he can't jump because he's got tank treads for legs. Uh, Give him rocket yeah. boosters. Him, I did. Tee ba ba. So uh, we get Gabriela Lopez, um, who is uh, looking after uh, tiny little Laura, aka Daphne Keen, aka X23. Tiny little Daphne Keen. 
Which is nice because, like, sort of, um, Lopez sort of is, is a slightly different role in the comics. And, like, and she is in there somewhere. And she, she's one of the people who's there at Thingy's creation, but she's not on the same level as Xander Rice, who is uh, th- there at the creation of X23. Because in the comics, don't correct me if I'm wrong, Laura in the comics is a clone of Wolverine. Like, she has grown sort of to be a new Wolverine. Uh, by the successors to the Weapon X program. I'm not 100% sure on her exact origin. So I'm just going to... But yeah, she definitely shares some DNA with Wolverine. She was apparently the clone and later adoptive daughter. Um, It is revealed later she's not a clone, but a biological daughter of Wolverine. Okay. So, twist. So... So bullshit. She was a clone until another writer went. Actually, yeah. <laughs> do you know basically, what? I'm going to change that. That is how um, comic books work. And that's what's happening here. Is is there's uh, transgen have been secretly leading this uh, experiment into creating mutants wholesale, taking kids and putting genetic experimentation <sighs> procedures into their bodies and turning them into into mutants to be used as weapons mm-hmm. um, in, in, a, in a new version of the Weapon X program, essentially. Because uh, it all comes back to that, which is why they've got Wolverine's DNA on file. Which, so here's, here's some interesting. I remember when this film was coming out, the press around it and the rumours around it and all that were talking about how Mr. Sinister was going to play into this. Which well, apparently was the plan originally. Yeah, because you remember at the end of... Um, at the, the end, end of Apocalypse, of, uh, you've got Apocalypse. the Essex yeah. thing. Yeah. The film released less than a year prior um here's the thing uh, this is what i managed to find out for it apocalypse's director brian singer <laughs> um appropriate reaction yeah um to the film and the director yeah uh he stated he's the one who stated that uh the tease at the end was leading into logan and mr sinister would be the antagonist of logan james mangold has never stated that so it seems like even within the department that were working on the various X-Men films, hmm. no one was agreeing. And I think it's because James Mangold probably wanted to focus on it being a story about Logan, Charles, and Laura, not about, like, how do we get this yeah. elaborate fan favourite villain in and, and distract well, everybody from it. It's like, not like they ever really do. like Pierce are interesting and known by fans, but he's not like... He's not a Joker. He's not a, a Green no, Goblin. No, but it's also an in-name-only version of Donald Pierce in the same way that yeah. a lot of the characters in the various X-Men films up to this point have been, for better or worse, because um, it really is a mixed bag, um, for better or worse, that are sort of in-name-only versions of those characters. Um, but I think this does a really good job of just taking, not having to worry about doing a bunch of fan service, yeah. but just taking uh, like a couple of these characters that are, pretty well known uh less known in the in the case of x23 but still with a you know a decent following and putting them into a situation and seeing what happens so he doesn't like he doesn't worry about having to to chalk up a bunch of re- back, like background references and and sort of like uh face like uh, uh, lip service uh like uh, mythology gags and, and shit like that it's just taking two a couple of characters you say what logan uh charles x23 dropping him into a situation and seeing what plays out and it doesn't it's not worried about stripping any of the interesting stuff away so you can tell this whatever story they want with whatever villain of the of the film that they want it is mm. 
actually focused on the in things that are interesting about these characters and what makes them compelling. And I think it's the first X-Men film that's actually done that. Uh, I think it's the last X-Men film that's actually done that. Um, and I don't think we shall see its like again. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is, this, is, this is the cake and the cherry on top of the cake of the franchise. Yeah. Like, you know, we've talked before, like, I, I quite enjoy X-Men. I really like X-Men 2. Um, I like First Class if I can forget that it's apparently a prequel. Like, if it's its own yeah. beast, I enjoy it a lot more. There's stuff um, to like in a lot of the X-Men films, but you do kind of have to not think about any of it. Yeah, it's 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 a proper unraveler. Like, Whereas you know, this... The moment you put any brain power behind it, you go, oh. This stands wait, enough what? on its own. And even the things that do, like, sort of, cla- like, the Stephen Merchant's Caliban, that clash with previous films, they're so well done mm. that you kind of go, oh, I don't really care because this is better. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like they didn't really like no no shade to the guy who plays Caliban in Apocalypse, but they didn't really do anything interesting I mean, with the character. He's one of the very few characters in Apocalypse that like I remembered yeah. after seeing it in the cinema. Like to the point where um like it became sort of a, r- a running line in our house where like we were saying like, Oh no, I know, I know, I know. One of us, Lucy and myself, would go, Caliban no And it'd be like <laughs> We don't really like that film, but we remember that line, and I think it's just because he's having fun delivering it. But oh, again, yeah. like, but again, th- this is this is. Uh, I, I've looked into it more and more, and every time you find Logan now on streaming services or for whatever, the opening caption always has something along the lines of "set in a bleak alternate future." Yeah. So it's like they're making a point of saying this is not continuing on from the previous movies. This is its own thing, and it's like. Cool. I mean, if you could add that caption to every X-Men movie after number two, that would excuse a lot of what's fucked yeah, up. It's one of those, because every, every <laughs> X-Men film is kind of approached as its own thing, apart from when it references the other ones. It, it yeah, tries or, to do both of them at the same remakes time. remakes the older ones, as we'll get to in the yeah. next retrospective. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, uh, which, which is, I think what you're saying about it really bottling down to concentrating on just what makes these characters tick and that being the core is yeah. personified beautifully in Dr. Dr. Xander Rice's contribution. He is the primary antagonist of the movie, played by Richard E. Grant. We only meet him a couple of times. We learn either through outright admittance or through hints in the performance and the script just how big his influence has been. Yeah. Um, like when he starts asking Caliban about uh, Xavier's um, uh, uh, what would you call it? Uh, oh, not condition. De- condition, yeah, and how, how it's worsening and, and everything. The way he's asking about it, he seems genuinely fascinated, trying to pinpoint. You know, what is it? Is it dementia? Is it is it atrophy? Like, what is it? And it's because you realise, oh, the reason mutants are extinct is because, as they say later, he's been putting shit into the food. Yeah. This company he's been developing that has become more prominent in the last sort of five, six years has essentially dampened and outright uh, has, has dampened and outright removed the the X gene in new mutants. So kids that would normally come into the powers during puberty, the powers aren't developing. No. And the reason for this suppression is so that he can have the monopoly on mutants by creating his own to then sell or use for military purpose and financial gain, blah, blah, blah. But the way he's asking those questions to Caliban, you realise, oh, he doesn't know the extent of what it does to mutants who 
were already around. Yeah. He's, he wants to study it, which in turn explains why Xavier's degrading the way it is. It's not just age, but also why Logan doesn't heal anymore. Yeah. It's, and it, that's never that part is never outright stated. No, no one just outright in the know... film says, this is why he's not healing anymore. It's because he's been eating, like everyone else on the planet, chemicals for yeah. years that have been fucking up his mutant abilities. And it's just kind of one of those, you realise it. The reason why it's never highlighted, the reason why your point is absolutely correct that this is not about any of that, this is just background, it's dressing, mm-hmm. is summed up beautifully when Xander Rice is talking to Logan in the middle of a, a Richard E. Grant performance where he's got he's brilliant and it's the proper first kind of we are talking and Logan just shoots him in the fucking neck and moves on. Yeah. Like there's no we're not sitting around to find out like, what yeah. the evil plan was. We don't care. I don't care I don't about care. this. I don't care. I want to get those kids out of here. Yeah. That's this all isn't shit about. This isn't the actual plot. This is just distracting from the actual plot. And Let's get to sh- the actual plot. The shocking like moment of where that goes on where he just pulls a gun. Yeah. Wolverine just pulls a gun and you're like those two those two things don't go together. This is weird. I mean, sure, we've seen him running around like with, you know, bayonets and whatever in the X-Men Origins like title sequence of that. But like you don't think of Wolverine and guns because Wolverine no. doesn't need a gun. Wolverine's on the receiving end of guns. His name's not Gunverine. Yeah. <laughs> he ain't Bishop. He ain't Forge. He ain't Cable. He ain't insert name of other 90s X-Men here. He ain't Adam X the Extreme. He ain't Agent X, yeah. who may also be Deadpool, maybe. He ain't Maverick. <laughs> he ain't Maverick. Holy shit, there are so many. <laughs> there are so many of them that are just, I have a gun. That's my <laughs> mutant power. I have a gun. I mean, to be fair, Adam X the Extreme doesn't have mutant powers, but he is a 90s weirdo. Yeah, oh God. <laughs> doesn't have, doesn't have a, a gun, sorry. I mean, he does have mutant powers. He yeah, can set I- blood on fire. That's a thing. Um, can we talk briefly about the the kids in this? No. So I, I found a found a list. We're actually, um, legally not allowed to talk about children. <laughs> a uh, list of what the kids are the kids are called the group of kids that uh, they're going to find at the border to Canada. Oh yeah, okay. One of them is um, Richter. One of them is Richter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which which is the it's the 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 sort of the main kid. Yeah. Is Richter. Although instead of him just shifting tectonic plates, it seems like he just moves things with his mind. Yeah. Because he just straight up lifts that tank. Yeah. <laughs> like he doesn't make it topple. Sorry. He lifts it and drops it. He's metal it. bending. He's been watching Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> but um, the reason why I wanted to bring them up is is the only one of them that's a named character of the comics is Richter, um, played by uh, Jason Ganeo. But uh, one of the kids is the character's called Valet. And the actor is Han Soto. And I'm like, that kid's Hmm. parents knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah, they did. (laughs) They did. They were not, they were not stupid. We are the Soto family and our son will be called Han. And there is no debating. It is happening. To Mr. and Mrs. Soto, a son. Han. Um, (laughs) Um, Plots, the plot's perfectly simple. Get from A to B. It's a road trip movie. Yeah. And like a Western, uh, along the way, we steal some shit to get by. We learn some lessons. Um, we argue. We, we we argue. We help some folks in need. And get and, them killed. And drag them into, <laughs> yeah, into the hell that's following. That entire... My favourite chunk of the film, funnily enough, is is 
from the the start of the family dinner, like saving the horses on the highway and the start yeah. of the family dinner, right through to it all going to absolute shit. It's just it's <sighs> horrid to watch. Like it's yeah. really upsetting, especially what Charles goes through. Um, yeah. Just, oh my god. Oh my god. And it's it's again one of the one of the things that's sort of beautiful is they don't outright state what what Xander Rice is chemicals have done to the mutants that already exist but you've got to know that logan's put two and two together Mm -hmm. which is why he just kills him and doesn't give a fuck because thanks to xander the x-men are dead yep was it something hundred seven hundred people in the surrounding area of westchester are dead yep because xavier had one of these episodes and killed everyone and he doesn't remember because they're giving him power suppressants that are making Fuck with him his memory, yeah. forget, but the more he takes them, the clearer his head is getting in the present. But, oh, it's... Oh, my God. Just... Also, Xavier shaves his head. Confirmed. Yeah. Yeah. He's, great. he's got a big old white wispy mane at the back of his head in this film. So yeah, that's true. He's been shaving his head. Although so Apocalypse he might, he might be didn't do on... shit to his scalp. It might be one of those things where it's he's chromed home on top, but yeah. he's still got bits around the sides, but for dignity's sake, he gets rid of them. Thing is, it's Patrick Stewart, so it's just dignity incarnate, really. Even when he's riding around in a wheelchair covered in dribble in this yeah. about Taco Bell, it's still like, yeah, but he, he sounds good doing it. He's, oh, he's very good in this. He's very good in this. He's he very good to, in this. Jackman's very good in this. <laughs> he does get to swear. Uh, yes, and re- with relish. Um, I'm fucking 19. It's like, <laughs> Professor X said the F word, but like the classy Professor X, so it actually hits. Um, <laughs> Daphne Keene is fantastic oh, in this. Wha- yeah, so so Daphne Keene, this is like one of her first, first roles, essentially. Yeah. Uh, me... She was very young. She was... Um, she, Daphne Keene is as of this as of this recording, she is sixteen. So when they yeah. were making Logan, she would have been twelve, yeah. going on thirteen. Yeah. Um. She doesn't speak for the first two thirds of the movie, and when she does speak in the third, it's very yep. sparsely and uh, in different languages because she is um, bilingual herself. Um. I'm just it's... gonna say this. This is this is this is the fate being kind. Do you know who nearly played the role? Oh, it's going to be someone I'm going to hate, isn't it? Who nearly played the role? Not, not necessarily hate, but someone who just doesn't. And you can see why they were suggested and why they were auditioned because okay. execs think too obviously when casting stuff. So this film came out in the latter half of the 2010s. Yeah, and they were looking for a young female actor who could play a troubled teen with powers who's on the run and befriends other people but doesn't quite trust them. and It's just, yeah, 2016's Netflix uh, franchise showcased this actor in their lead. Um, oh. And she's just been one of the least interesting parts of two Godzilla movies. <laughs> so oh, no. Millie Bobby Brown is 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 talented, but like 
she I don't know, this isn't a role for her, but you can see why she was put forward for audition because someone at Fox would just been like, Oh, well she she played teenager yeah. who angry and, and That is exactly how, how yeah, that's exactly how movie executives think, yeah. Yeah. Totally. So totally. That didn't happen. Um oh it is an interesting note I'm seeing on this this cast list I've got here. The note for Caliban suggests that um the the Thomas Le Marquis version in X Men Apocalypse is a younger version. Fuck off. Nope. Oh, what? So, sure, he ages, like, you know, 40, 50 years, in 40 years, but also becomes a bloke, bloke, bloke who talks like this. Yeah. Does he? All right, okay. Nope, not having that. No. Not having that bullshit. No, you do, one does not simply become Stephen Merchant. Oh, unless you get transformed into a horseman of apocalypse at some point, get all big and beefy, and then when you come back, you've got a different accent. Like, when some Possibly. people... When some people have... Um, heart attacks at a young age and they come out the back of it and they're okay but for some reason they like now have a different accent and they can't explain it so there you go yeah there we go explained that's the thing, that's the thing that happens so Stephen Merchant's really good in this as well also he's so good and the makeup it's like it's subtle it's not over the top he's not like alabaster white he's mm. it, it's which suits the tone of this film brilliantly and also means he wouldn't be completely vanished in the Logan Noir version of the movie yeah um, <laughs> um, which, but, uh, uh, which which got regraded from the top down when they did that for the home yeah. release. Um, yeah. Hey, Snyder, you're not the first to do it. Um, <laughs> James Mangold wanted this movie in black and white. The the studio went no, and he went all right. What about on the home release as an option? And they went fine. And then around the time the Blu-ray and DVD came out, it got a very limited re-release in theatres as the black and white noir version. Also, Mad Max Fury Road did it before either of them. Of course, 2015, yeah. Blood and Chrome. Blood and indeed Chrome. Um, What a lovely day. Uh, Starring Venom and Beast. (laughs) Venom and Beast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, stuff, Stuff you love about Logan. Um... The casters have already mentioned and all the performances. Uh, lovely, it, it, the fact that it takes its time to sort of breathe and have these these lovely dialogue scenes, like the stuff with Caliban and Logan early in the movie, like the stuff in the hotel room, like the the relationship mm. between Charles and and X twenty three and Laura, and the sort of how you see him slip into his old mentor personality when he's with her. Yes, um, that's, that's so wonderful. Like It's just suddenly you're watching like a slightly slightly giddier version of, of the character yeah. portrayed in 99. Yeah. And it, it, in 2000, sorry. And it's just sort of like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, this is him talking to like a young kid. This, uh, this is the Xavier we remember. And it, it's like his whole demeanor, physicality even changes yeah. during those scenes. And it's making it more heartbreaking to have him taken away again. Um, yeah, that is, that is a, oh, oh, it's so rough. Like when he just, just before he gets gutted by X-24 and he, he, he admits that he remembers. Yeah. Just opens up. He opens up that he remembers that he, and again, they never, they never say it outright. You hear something on the radio. You have like references to like, what happened to that old team of yours? Mm. And, and the comics, like people have written comics about the X Men, and you know, so it's being the first Marvel property to do that now. Yeah, do, do what the comics do, which is acknowledge that in universe there are people making comic books about these superheroes. Yeah, um, 
So it's like, that's kind of cool. But um, less than a quarter of it happened. Maybe a quarter of it happened and not like this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the costume, the costume Wolverine's wearing on the cover for that is sort of similar to the one that's suggested at the end of the Wolverine in yeah. the alternate ending. It's like, I think oh, they, okay, use, I think they cool. do yellow and blue rather than the tan and yeah. brown. Yeah, it's yellow, and it's got so like different. It's got like the different stripes where the the metal is. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's not based on a comic no, no. book one. They're like yeah, it's original yeah. costumes. Um, you sort of get a glimpse of Colossus and a couple of other characters on the on the books, and you're like, oh, okay, rogue. So even, yeah, rogue. Yeah, so even in this alternate future, like these guys get in the field more and yeah. got to do stuff before they were all fucking murdered. <laughs> um, I like. I like that they take that from the original but they give it more emotional weight here yeah um by allowing two actors to sort of bear the burden of what happened these two performances because again jack like you said jackman and stewart do phenomenal work in this as these characters they know them inside out by now and um, yeah as a result they can carry it because for those who don't know in the comic book old man logan which is this is very loosely very fucking loosely based on yeah um, like i say old- it's concept only really v- vague concept only Old Man Logan sort of is it takes the idea of that early nineties uh, crossover event where all the villains just went. Do you know how we should get rid of our respective adversaries? Let's swap them. Acts and then of they vengeance. All go and fight them. That's the one. Because the only one of them I've ever read was Spidey versus Magneto, but it's around the same time that uh, Spidey becomes um, Captain Universe. Nah. <laughs> so he can hold his own. <laughs> it's nah. like, oh shit. Nah. Um, uh, although you get an earlier version of that when Spidey versus the Juggernaut, which is freaking brilliant, um, and, he, and he defeats him in the most humiliating way possible by drawing him into a construction site, and then the Juggernaut just sinks into some still setting cement, and then he was out of the comics for like two years, and then in a Spider-Man story, he just suddenly fucking bursts out of the bottom of this building. Although, let's you know, as we'll get to shortly, it's not the most embarrassing way Juggernauts have been defeated. That's very um, true. Um, so like they're they're, allow- they're they're relying on the weight of the the world of these on these two characters to be brought across by the the actors who are familiar with them and their performances, because in the book, Wolverine kills all the vi- like all the villains descend on the X Mansion like they apparently they begin their plan by all going to the X Mansion to kill the X Men yeah and Wolverine fights to save his family, slicing and snicting and you know ripping and tearing his way through all these villains until it is done until it's done and one of them asks him why logan and then mysterio mysterio's illusion disappears to reveal that logan has just been murdering his family um so that's so perfectly suits the horrid grim dark version of the world that's in old man logan like it's a perfect kind of this is where we're going from this point on. Brace yourself for Nazi presidents and <laughs> cousin fucking Hulks. Um, but then, and Hawkeye being married to Spider-Man's granddaughter. I don't understand that one either. Point is... Um, Listen, Ultron 9 is a better dad than you'll ever be. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong. Um, so, um, yeah, so this version, of course, is Xavier did it. And it, 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 it works so much better because suddenly you get to play with the carer dynamic. Like Charles is the person who looked after and cared for Logan mm. and made him a better person. And now <clears throat> like Logan's returning the favor 
But to Charles, like especially when medicated, it feels like he's being imprisoned. It feels like he's being forced into this. It's really uncomfortable. Like as someone as someone who's who's had, you know, dementia in the family and everything. Like it, some of those early scenes with Logan and Charles are really they are not a comfortable watch for me. No, like, no. seen that, seen that, been in that conversation. This is not fun. Mm. Um, but hats off to them for playing it the way they do. It's it's brilliant. Uh, the uh. The family uh, that they move in with, very briefly. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to find the actual chuffing cast list. Oh, uh, Eric Eric LaSalle and Elise Neal, uh, a Will and Catherine Munson, um, <clears throat> the mum and dad. The kid's not credited here, that's annoying. Um, they're great, and that touch of humanity sort of it pulls you out of the fact you're watching a superhero movie for a few minutes in the right way. Because you see, like, oh, yeah, X-Men bullshit and all that is still kind of in a bubble. Like, it's its own thing. There is a real world here. There is, you know, real people and families dealing with real shit. Mm. And their stuff might be terrifying and scary, but, like, (laughs) they are still... They are still flailing around in a, you know... Maybe a quarter of this happened, but not like this, like sort of logic. They are yeah. they are living yeah. a comic book adventure, whether they choose to accept it or not. Um I mean for Christ's sake, Wolverine spends the finale of the movie fighting a clone. Um yeah. I like I liked that twist. Remember when we saw it in the cinema, I was just like, I did not see that fucking coming. I did not see this being the direction the story was gonna go in. It looks great. The way the fight between Logan and and X24 is choreographed and everything, like, it's seamless. The visual effects team did a fucking great job. In a film that is a lot less visually flashy than the other X-Men films, even the Wolverine, with its bullet train and silver samurai and everything. Yeah. Like, the use of CGI in this is done so well. There is is one dodgy moment in the entire film. There's one dodgy moment. Which one? It's when X-24 lifts him onto the tree and impales him on the tree. Yeah, he looks like a rag doll. It's just... It's just yeah. It's, it's like for a, man, for a man whose bones are made of metal, he should not yeah. move like that. That's a dummy. Yeah, <laughs> the, a, the, weight, the, the weight of it's just wrong. But that's it. Like In the entire film, that's the only moment. I like the X-24. And again, it's... Because this is, for better or for worse, it is technically the third film in a Wolverine trilogy. Like it, not, they're yeah. not really connected, but I have seen them yeah. packaged as such. I've seen them on sale as such in in HMV and places like the Wolverine trilogy, and Logan is the third film. So I do kind of like that little bit of poetic symmetry that the clone of Logan, the feral, shitty version of him with no remorse, who's just a killer and reacts on instinct and violence alone, looks like Victor does in X Men Origins Wolverine. Mm-hmm. He's got the same mutton chops and short hair that um, that Lee Schreiber sports in that movie as his brother. So and it's like that's, who, that's who a was, nice subtle choice. Who was originally supposed to return for this movie? Yes. Oh shit! He was going to be running the casino, and they go to him for help. Oh, that was about that. <laughs> uh, one, uh, one that was I don't know how far into the script and it made it like how many drafts it made it in it lasted but that was um, that was going to be the that was the original plan well I hope he got paid for reserving his time <laughs> <laughs> I don't even I, hell, I don't even know if it got that far in but 
Yeah, I think that would have been. I think that would have been having him literally in it may have been a step too far. Um, because it would have that would have completely taken me out of it and made me go, oh yeah, X Men Origins. Well, I think it, you know it's the one thing it would have tied it to something so much lesser in quality. And also, that I don't think you want to be carrying prior. that burden. Like, it's been nearly a decade since that film came out. Like, general audiences have been like, what? Hey, You what, mate? What's this? Uh, also, you would have had mm. to have given him a giant long hair and a mane, because, like, apparently at some point he became Sabretooth. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, flipping. Uh, yeah, I think that would have been a step too far. Um, yeah, no, I get why they didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, also, like, why would Sabretooth be running a casino? <laughs> anyway. I don't know, maybe he's then reformed. Again, maybe, yeah, maybe he's depowered. Maybe all the stuff he's been eating has made him sort of regress slightly as well. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, special do. shout out to Boyd Holbrook as Donald Pierce. Very slimy. He's very... Great. Yeah, he's good. He's good in this. He's not um, been in... He's not been... I think... I think the, the Predator was probably supposed to propel him to further stardom and then it was shit. Yeah, so like no one came out of that looking great. No, because um, it was like yeah, like Thomas Jane, Keegan to. Michael Key. Uh, oh, there was um, a really good cast Olivia in that, Mon, and it just and, uh, didn't work out for anyone. He he's got some stuff coming up. He's um he is uh signed on for the upcoming Indiana Jones film. Hmm. Um. Oh, he was in We Can Be Heroes, the uh the, yes. the Shark Boy and Lava Girl spin-off kind of um oh it was in the it was in the fugitive reboot really what yeah. the TV, tv show T- tv show yeah ah, okay he's a great actor who i hope gets a really great payday at some point he's the yeah, corinthian, he's really good in this he's the corinthian and netflix's sandman coming up so okay yeah all right I'll go so for that so he's got go some chances but he he's great in this and he, he is he's perfect kind of henchman material like he's he's slimy and resourceful and dangerous but also a complete coward who's hiding behind an army of stronger people yes <laughs> as, as yes. proved by the point where like he's all smiles and all confidence and all smugness that as soon as laura comes out his first instinct is shit nope, nope. shit like no 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 don't no no down no and you just see he's like backing away even more he's putting as many bodies in between her and him as he can yeah as, as this 11 year old girl gets closer and closer and you're like but that, which does a brilliant job because that's the first breakout scene of like here's what she's capable of um, oh yeah and she wrecks it y'all ain't ready for this and the last thing i want to touch on with this film is the violence this is the first r-rated x-men movie that wasn't deadpool it's um, very violent <laughs> Like finally getting to sort of unleash because one thing that's great about Wolverine is his he's a cool looking character uh, as a member of the X Men as a solo character. But the moment you think about what his claws would do, yeah, you realise why you don't see them do that much in adaptations because mm. like dude would really hurt people like a lot, and like, they the just most- open with that here. Like they do not shy away from it. Like, we see him slicing at people and them spinning around Power Ranger style. The closest we ever get to sort of seeing damage that, that lasts is, like, the death of Gene. But even then, yeah. magic swirly, magic swirly, swirly, magic swirly. So you don't really pay attention. And him supposedly killing Mystique in the first X-Men. And then in number two, she's like, you see, she clearly still has actual physical scars from where he stabbed her. Mm. Implying that, yeah, this isn't... 
not not like playing nicey magic retconny. Like, no, you stabbed me with giant fucking knives. I have scars on my body. In this film, they're like, <laughs> oh, how quaint. That guy's legs coming off. This guy's face getting stabbed. This guy who's having a seizure as part of this mind attack is going to get stabbed through the head. Yep. It's just, it doesn't stop. He doesn't freaking stop. And this is him at half capacity. <laughs> this is him knackered. If that, yeah. <laughs> like, the most X-Men-y bit of violence he does is when he, like, snaps the guy's gun in half and throws it on the floor. He's like, like, piss off now. The rest yeah. of the time, it's like, no, I'm just going to cut off a limb. No, I'm going to lobotomize you. No. Stab, 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 slice, slice, stab, slice, stab, stab, slice, 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 stab. Yeah, is my response. Stab, um, slice, stab, slice, 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 stab. <laughs> the X-Men Holiday Special. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I I like the way this ends. I think it's absolutely spot on. Um, yeah. It's a real... It, I kind of wish the franchise had ended here. <laughs> Just, I, mean, I the, really the, wish the, it the had. The X-Men films, absolutely. I... I I don't mind there being the next one because the, the 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 next immediate movie we're going to talk about because like they feel like a spin off from it all anyway. But yeah, th- this should yeah. have been the end of X Men. Like this is it now. We're done. Yeah. We've said all we need to say. It literally um, ends with an X grave marker, which is like... beautiful. And I love the fact that like Laura, like she eulogizes him by just repeating the freaking movie. Um, yeah, that was Shane, wasn't it? Yeah, Shane. Yeah, yeah. She just just out and out like repeats the dialogue from when she was watching it with Charles in the hotel room and it's just that this is this is perfect and and it freaking ends with a with a Johnny Cash number over the end credits just to like really really hammer home yeah like yeah you've been watching you've been watching a, a western like that that's the vibe we were going for that's and it's quite an upbeat song as well yeah it's just like we're leaving you on this bye everybody off your foot off you go the X-Men series is gone it won't come back now oh god it will We'll talk about Dark Phoenix in the next X Men. Yeah, d- diminishing returns personified in a film, but um, we'll yeah we'll get to that. Matt. Um, also, speaking of diminishing returns, Matt, <laughs> our next film. Yes. How dare you? It can't be diminishing returns. You have three options. Our next film is three movies. There are three cuts of this next film that exist. L- let's just go with the bog standard, shall we? All right, fair enough. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Deadpool 2, the like, sexy motherfucker is as, back. As, in, <laughs> as neat as the idea of Once Upon a Deadpool is, mm. I just... I mean, I saw it. By the I same to token, <laughs> the, the, sort of, curious. <laughs> the sort of tweeness of the, of the concept just has me curling my own toes in sort of... I can confirm... Reluctance. I can confirm that Once Upon a Deadpool, for those who don't know the PG-friendly cut or 12-certificate-friendly cut of Deadpool 2 that was released later in the same year as Deadpool 2, uh, which was essentially an experiment because absolute fucking hack. Sorry, I mean, internet journalist and film reviewer Grace Grace Randolph uh, (laughs) heavily led a petition inspired by a mother who complained that the first Deadpool wasn't suitable for her kid and that's why they couldn't get a ticket. Because it wasn't made. For your kid. Um, uh, Grace Randolph was one of the people who led this charge for Deadpool to get a PG release. And it was fought against a lot. 
then when it came to Deadpool 2, there was non, no such stink was being raised, no such fuss was being raised, because, you know, she didn't have, like, some new story to ride off the coattails of and try and make herself more famous. Mm. Um, uh, and, and also, you know, parents at that point kind of realised that, yeah, I mean, if I think my kid could handle this, I'll just show it them when it's on home media. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Deadpool 2 decided to try an experiment sort of led by a few decisions uh one of which seems to also have been because they knew that the disney merger with fox was like potential so they were like can we play with deadpool and pg territory and see yeah. if maybe it can carry over now kevin feige has since confirmed that deadpool is now back with marvel studios as are all the the x-men property rights yeah um he's confirmed that the next deadpool is currently planned to be an r-rated movie still and it will be in the MCU, uh, but it will sort of we're going to kind of prepare our audiences for it. Yeah, probably, I think they've been doing that. Probably means with we're the... going to explore where we can put this out without yeah. confusing people and making them I think f- it's a kid-friendly movie. I think they've done a little bit of that with sort of amping up things slowly in the Disney Plus stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like Zealand Falcon and the Winter Soldier was like it's not it's nowhere near R obviously but it's it's just a step up from the stuff that's in the films it's a it's a yeah. it's a little push in that direction and and the, the 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 whole star service now on Disney Plus as well meaning that there is entertainment aimed not at kids available on Disney Plus means yeah. that they can kind of test the waters a little more for like which is how I watch this streaming. I watch this on Star same because I uh, yeah. I didn't want to unplug my PS4 and do the HDCP and all that shit to get the Blu-ray up here. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I went to my digital copy that I got with the Blu-ray, uh, which back in the day was ultraviolet, so it was on. Um, ah, uh, yes. what was the service I used to watch it on? Let's have a little look. I've got it here. Flickster. Flickster, which was was great, did its job. Could stream stuff from it. Could download stuff from it. It it, it worked pretty damn great. Uh, when F- ultraviolet closed down and all those services had to migrate elsewhere, most of my collection moved to YouTube. Uh, and the Deadpool 2 copy is in 480p and I'm like, nah, fuck that shit. So, because mm-hmm. I'm watching it on an iPad while sat on the toilet, I'm watching it on a big monitor. Like, I want to see it looking nice. You're watching it on your phone, as Christopher Nolan intended. <laughs> um, <laughs> while standing up. Yeah. Um, as Christopher Nolan also intended. But like, uh, once upon a Deadpool was them sort of first testing these waters by releasing an alternative cut, I was like, do you know what? I'm going to see it. Guess what? In the UK, it wasn't a 12. Okay. It was a 15 still. Oh. Yeah. Not kind of. The BBFC couldn't take it down. Despite all the swearing being removed or censored um, and several shots taken out, there was still enough of sort of like the violence and gunplay and, and levels of like threat and peril. Yeah. That the BBFC were like, yeah, it still just skirts into a 15. So in the UK, it was the exact same certificate as the original release. In the States, it was a PG-13. Once Upon a Deadpool reframes the events of the movie into a wraparound narrative where, like the opening and intercut sequences from The Princess Bride, Fred Savage, same actor, but now obviously like in his late 30s, um, is tied to the same bed that it's it's a it's a perfect recreation of the I bedroom am... from Princess Bride. He is tied to the bed, and Deadpool is reading him the story of Deadpool Two because it's a classic Christmas story. To which Fred am... Savage is, of course, like, "The fuck are you talking about?" And also, 
please let me go. Um, certain scenes are taken out, certain deleted scenes that are in the extended cut that can be used are put back in. Um, it's a fun alternative, and it was also uh, done with profits for the movie going toward the Fuck Cancer charity campaign uh, yeah. in terms of its ticket release. So it was, yeah. it, was, it was done for a good cause in terms of, you know, because that was the thing. Ryan Reynolds and Maximum Effort and the production company that are like, you know, the machines behind why Deadpool as a film franchise is happening mm. didn't want to do this. They agreed to do it if money could go toward charity from the ticket sales. They said, we'll do that. We'll do it. Because we don't think we should... We, like The film as it is is what we want to make. But you want to do this, so let us make it. But this amount of it has to go toward charity as a profit. From the profit yeah. has to go toward charity. And it's like... Do you know what? All right. They all get like a bit of an extra payday, like a fraction compared to what they normally get. Yeah. But they're making money for charity. So regardless of what you feel about Deadpool, it did some good in the world. As someone who saw it, I enjoyed it. It's it it's a very sort of like, it's how I imagine like the novelization, you know, the tie-in movie novels would go. Yeah, yeah. It's how I imagine the tie-in movie novel for Deadpool 2 would have been presented. Like, it's just Deadpool takes advantage of the different medium to tell it to you a different way. Um, and some of the stuff with Fred Savage is really, really funny. Like, annoyingly funny. To the point where I'm like, why could not this just not have been an extra, like, another well, show? I'm, I'm worried yeah. about... The annoyingly funny stuff just being annoying. That's that's well, always that, been my. Yeah. I was worried about that with the first film, and I, thankfully, I think, more I than think that's, wrong. I think that's where we're both, um, where we both approach Deadpool as a character and everything slightly differently. Because I, I, yeah, I've, I've very much been on the Deadpool train and 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 enjoyed it wholeheartedly. And there's versions of it I don't give a shit about. Like I don't really care much for Rob Liefeld's original versions, and you know. Um, uh, since past and like you know these first few stories i'm not really fussed about that yeah um i like a lot of the uh the 90s run um the joe kelly stuff the joe kelly stuff it's very 90s but with an early 2000s visual aesthetic you know with characters like t-ray and and um, <laughs> all these sorts of bad guys we like the fuck i love the daniel way run from the 2000s mm -hmm. into the 2010s i think it's quintessential deadpool um, and I've I've read some of Marvel the Marvel Now era and and I've I've liked it but I've not carried on with it really beyond like the first arc what's Dead Presidents I think is the first or second yeah. arc I've not really moved beyond beyond yeah. it there yeah. and I've really liked Cullen Bunn's Elseworldsy kind of takes on the character with with Deadpool mm -hmm. kills the Marvel universe and stuff like that so for me I'm all up for it as long as they balance the obnoxiousness and and. I think I think like the short film No Good Deed, aka the four minute teaser trailer for Deadpool Two. Yeah. With him, with him changing in the phone booth and finally having a cameo with Stan Lee and everything, like in the same shot. <laughs> wow, was it great Spider-Man suit? Zip it, Stan Lee! <laughs> it's kind of, you know, I like that. I think I think once put a Deadpool sort of meets that in terms of its ridiculousness it's not too annoying it sits in yeah. the right spot i wouldn't seek it out over watching the theatrical or extended cuts no but if you see it for sale or streaming and it's cheap or got a limited time on streaming folks and you've got an hour and a half to, to fill because of course it's shorter as well um yes give it a, spin. Give it a go because i think i think deadpool 2 is too long 
Yeah, well, that's, yeah, which is why it's probably best you didn't watch the extended cut, which is the other version of the movie, which just has some alternate jokes, alternate lines, uh, changes the order of a couple of Cable's earlier scenes. Yeah. Um, extends the toilet paper conversation between uh, Alan Tudyk and Matt Damon in prosthetics. Oh, great. Uh, I bet that's... About, talking about, what is it? Um, Pampers wipes or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I bet that's riveting. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's not different enough to like warrant anything. I think it's more a case mm. of we got these two really fun actors to improvise a scene talking about toilet paper. So let's and you've all, you've got to be careful with stuff like that, otherwise you end up with Ghostbusters twenty sixteen. Sorry, don't you mean Ghostbusters? Answer the call. Yeah, the like home video release. Yeah, because you get yeah. good stuff and then you just bury it in the stuff that you don't want to cut because Wait. you think your mates are funny. Your dog is called I... my cat. No, it's called Mike Hat. Ha <laughs> ha. So fucking. Oh my god. Paul Fee. Learn how to edit. Um, but uh, the main contribution the extended cut has is a scene that's available to watch online because uh, it's put out for promotion, which is an extra time travel mid and post credit scene whereby he actually goes back to kill baby Hitler. In in like the hospital shortly after he's born. And I'm can't gonna... bring himself to do it because it's a baby and he's like conflicted. And then at the end he says, I'm going to tell Cable to come here instead. And that's the end of that joke. So, <laughs> um, I don't like the, the mid-credits time travel stuff. Cool. We will get to that. So Deadpool 2 um... picks up not too long after the first Deadpool. Deadpool's taking mercenary jobs mostly against bad people because, as we saw in the first one, quite well established in that flashback scene with the pizza delivery and everything. Yep. Wayne... Uh, Dwayne. Wayne Dwayne. does... Uh, Dwayne, Dwayne Wilson. Dwayne the Deadpool Roxon. Um, Dwayne Wade, Wils- Wade Wilson does tend to... Like, Thermosh, sandwiches, corn plasters, telephone money, animal footprint chart, and one triple thick condom. You never know. You never know. Um, <laughs> Wade does tend to favour jobs that take out scumbags um, as opposed to innocent targets. Uh, so he's doing that. He's fighting Yakuza and he's like cutting up limbs in bathhouses and la di da di da One of the Russian uh, gangsters that he manages to not kill tracks him home and on the night where uh, it's the anniversary of him and Vanessa meeting uh, and getting together, she reveals that uh, she's had her birth control removed. Um, they're going to try for a baby, which is what they've always wanted. And you are reminded really heavily of, oh, my God, wasn't it wonderful? All the scenes with these two in the first movie. Wasn't that one of the things that worked so well? And one of the things that stopped the first movie becoming too wacky, wacky Deadpool because it grounded it in this relationship. Uh, she gets killed. She gets fridged. Yep. The 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 performances that spin out of this from both Ryan Reynolds and Marina Baccarin respectively in the scenes they then share after this, both of them do a fucking phenomenal job. They it's great. Him hugging the killer in the middle of the road instead of killing him at first, and you just like and then turning into the truck. All that stuff. It's played well, but she was one of the best things about the first movie. Yeah. The thing you wanted in the first movie wasn't like, I don't want these two crazy kids to get uh, just to, I, I, no, it wasn't just, I want these two crazy kids to get back together. It was, no, I've seen how brilliant they are together. It's wrong that he feels he can't talk to or approach her now that he's all fucked up. 
I want them to reconcile. They need to get the driving force of why the first movie is something you invest in is because you want them to be yeah. together yeah, yeah. again. Um, you want Wade to get over himself and go back to her. So when they do reunite at the end, it's so fucking triumphant. Now, I can understand if you want Vanessa out of the story a bit more in this second film <clears throat> for the sake of the adventure. Why? <clears throat> but like, you know, like if you want to tell a story where you don't want to put her in harm's way. In that I, case, I, you don't have to that. kill her off, though. You don't have to kill her off. There exactly. are other ways to take her out of play. Now, the writers have since gone on to point out that they were not, they genuinely were not aware of the term fridging, which comes from a Green Lantern comic, right? Fridging comes the from a Green Lantern. The coin was turned by Gail Simone. The term was the coin was termed. The term was coined ah, by Gail the, Simone the die is in cast. reference to a Green Lantern comic from the nineties. Yeah, yeah, where Ky- which... Kyle Rayner comes home to find his girlfriend murdered and stuffed in the fridge, and the yeah, only reason she was yeah. killed was again so the lead character who happens to be male is put through a you know an arc of like oh my pain and torment and, and it's going to lead yeah, me to do yeah. this and. La la la, and you know that's not to say you can't kill off love interests in fiction, but it's just it's a bit of a done trope, especially in the heterosexual male female dynamic. It is a done trope now. In in a, in a movie that consistently calls out examples of lazy writing as a joke, yes. quote yeah. unquote joke. Yeah, it's incredibly lazy writing. Yeah. Now the writers have pointed out they didn't they didn't do it with that intention in mind, and they didn't realized that it was something that you know within comic book uh, media uh, culture especially people have pointed out as can we stop doing this now please is it because um, they're all dudes <clears throat> but they also then went on to say that well the that's the reason why and we'll get to it eventually but that's the reason why um they don't mind it too much because they always knew they were going to bring her back in the mid-credits sequences so <sighs> this this might be more um, palatable had we've been in the universe where we've already had a third Deadpool by now and she is absolutely still one of the main characters and it's more a case of suck she's not in the second one as much but do you know what I mean but because we don't know the fate of it and because you still have to watch the film (laughs) it sucks yeah and also it's it's not it's not really about whether she comes back or not because still oh it's it's done as a gag yeah, it's done as a gag. One, it's done as a gag, yeah. and and two, it is the central motivation for the whole film. Yeah, <clears throat> is yeah. It is it is the death of a female character motivating a male character? That, they that's, debate it, that's that's all that's that's what it's, that's it, the problem it's, aspect it's, of it. It's such it's such a dead trope, and it's it's kind of it's beyond insulting at this point. It's um, lazy writing. That's just lazy writing, is it, guys? Um, is it? Did you not notice? Um, they did say as well that, that they were going to write Vanessa out. She was going to break up with him. But they felt that she wouldn't. So to take her out of the story, they killed her. It's like, well, maybe just don't write a story no, where Vanessa don't. has to be in it. Like, you can yeah, write a reason for her to not that. be around him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she's not, she's not going to follow him to the icebox. You could still have him join the X-Men for whatever reason. And, you know, the whole stuff with Russell go. It's, I don't know. Um, I mean, at the same time... and. It upsets me slightly less, but only because, again, of all the Deadpool stuff I've read, it makes me... I can sort of see the way that they do it in terms of her talking to him in this kind of limbo and being like, you're not ready yet, is yeah. heavily mirroring the Joe Kelly run uh, 
with death. Yeah. Um, in the comics, Deadpool uh, is in love with death, the physical, literal personification, who in the Marvel comics is this, this mysterious skeletal female figure wearing purple robes who, you know, comes to collect people when they die, apparently, based on who's writing what and when, as is the case yeah. with all fiction involving yeah. the figure of death. Unless it's Terry Pratchett, in which case, what a fucking boss. Yep. But um, uh, the problem is, the physical personification of death in Marvel Comics already has someone pining for it, and that's Thanos. So... In the comics, Thanos is always trying to appeal to death. He's not trying to correct the universe or save everyone by halving its population. He's like, I'll kill half the universe to appease you. I want you to love me. Because he's a mad titan. Um, that's not a dig at the MCU version. I think the MCU version is fucking great and absolutely works. But, but, the comic one is an out-and-out villain who murders people to try and please an imaginary lover. In the comics, Deadpool wanted to die. He couldn't. Then he learned about Lady Death. He fell in love with Lady Death and can't get to Lady Death because he can't fucking die. Like, fate is not allowing it to happen. And she makes it very clear that she wants him. Like, she, he is her most sought-after possession, like, you know, suitor. Like, she wants Wade because he is unobtainable. Um, so it becomes this weird love story for a time where he's trying to get to her by leading himself into as many situations as possible where he'll get fucking murdered. Um, and and again, he, it sort of seems like to be a righteousness thing. Like he wants to prove that he is worthy of her by going mm. out in the best, most heroic way imaginable. Um, so I, it sort of bothered me less on initial watch because to me it just sort of felt like that was their take on that. Like there was someone beyond the veil who he longed to be with and couldn't get to. Yeah, I get but that. I, but I completely agree with everything you're saying. <laughs> I don't feel as strongly about it because I think I'm so embedded with that version of Deadpool that I'm like, oh, I'll see what they're getting at. But yeah, no, you are completely in the right on this I, one. I, th I think it just... It, I think it just... It, it just... It, nothing about this... Not that, not, that any, not that everything about this misses, but nothing about this hits as, as hard or as well as the first one does yeah. and it repeats jokes yeah there's a there's a lot it, of it, it sort of works it works better as a box set with the first one yeah like um, there is a moment in the, the climax same time, at the same time though the death of 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 um vanessa means that if you box set the two of them you start this one going you fucking what yeah <laughs> yeah so go on there's a moment in the climax is, uh, the the is it the cue the cue the music moment no no um i mean <laughs> that, that that's is beat for beat yeah, yeah. Movie, but there's a moment in the climax where he takes an implement through the head. Yeah, goes a bit doolally. Yeah. Like, and and it's less impressive greets, this time. Yeah, greets yeah. another character and then goes back to normal. And the object sex, is removed from his starts head. Starts making sex gestures at them as well. Yeah, like in the first one, it's Vanessa, and there's all the little animated rain, uh, like unicorns and rainbows and everything around his head. Yeah, and in this one, it's just a, a love filter as Colossus is picking him up. Yeah, You're like. But it's the same uh, joke. Yeah. But yeah. not not but not done as well. Yeah. Uh there's also a bit of a samey feel in, in uh the icebox, which is that is from the comics, isn't it? It's it's a Canadian it, if it prison. Is, I'm for, not aware of it, but it wouldn't surprise me. Canadian prison for aggressive mutants, and we, we get a shitload of throwaway cameos in that scene. Like yeah. we're talking extras in the background who are made up a certain way. Yeah. 
to be like one of them is Puck. Yeah. Of Alpha Flight. One yeah. of them is Omega Red. There's a freaking giant dude with a skeletal looking face, pale as fuck, long blonde hair, ponytail on the top, and that like Omega symbol tattooed into his forehead. Mm-hmm. Like Omega that's Omega That's fucking Omega Red. That is a really interesting visual X-Men villain. We get we get we get black Tom Cassidy. We get hey. African American Tom Cassidy. This racism will not stand. But they, but they just keep going back to it. I don't mind it when it's to wind up cable, but I know what you mean. It, it, yeah, it's not that, that the joke repeats. isn't funny. It's that they just overdo it, and it's like that's what I mean. I think if like, anything, the, I think the, this movie the, the kind end... of suffers from having Ryan Reynolds having more creative control. Yeah, because the, the, I, the I, end of the joke should have been the headshot and the "You kill Black Tom, you racist." Like that should yeah. have been the end of the joke. Um, yeah. So, but like Black Tom Cassidy, like a Captain Britain, Psylocke, X Men villain, most yep. prominently features in Deadpool comics in the nineties. Uh, just throw away. It's like, oh, okay. Mm. Uh, but again, because <laughs> I, I, I've I, I've looked into this one, he was meant to be a um, he was meant to be like the secondary antagonist of the movie. Um, yeah. Outside of of. <clears throat> like where Russell was going, it was going to be Russell and Black Tom Cassidy. Yeah. But when in production, they they came to the agreement that no, do you know what? We're going to use the thing in the basement as the secondary <laughs> antagonist. <laughs> they decided to to scale back Cassidy's role and then ultimately go, well, yeah, we're not gonna. We're not gonna Which is definitely one of the better parts of the film. Oh yeah, yeah. Because like... Deadpool, Deadpool stories tend to work better when they're smaller scale. Yeah. Um, like the first one, like. In in the in the real world, the big outside world of where the story of the first one's taking place, what are the stakes at the end of the movie? Oh, a tanker might fall over in a scrapyard, and people yeah. hear about it on the news. Like the personal stakes are what matters. It's not you know an end of the world scenario. And the same with this one. It's like some fucked up shit's going to go on at this school, and it may affect the future, but it might not. And the big thing we've got to fight is literally just a big CGI monster. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, sure. It's... And a CGI monster that once it's done, whatever it does here this day, is then going to be like, right, let's go get a beer. All right, I'm going to go do this now. Like, it's not, I kind of like that. That there is just, uh, you know, it's, the, it's these smaller stories. Like, there's big scale set piece stuff happens in them, but it's not, it's not an end of the world scenario. It's no. not big or elaborate. The superpowered beings are. Their superpower is a lot more kind of grounded and contained. Like even Negasonic Teenage Warhead, it's blasts within a small radius. Yeah. Even Russell, it's just fire coming out of his hands, like being shot in one way. It's not like he's burning a building and like turning the ash into laser beams that'll rain down from the sky. You know, it's, it's it <laughs> it does its job. So yeah, uh, Deadpool loses Vanessa and then. Colossus brings him into the X-Men. I like the wish fulfillment there after the first film. I like the idea of, yeah, go on. Let's yeah. let's see him actually attempt this. Like, let's yeah. see Colossus try to make Wade do good guy shit. And it leads into some fun jokes about the X-Men as well. And, you know, some throwaway. The, the extended cut has more of a conversation of them in the kitchen where Wade is, like, labeling everyone's stuff in the freezer. Like, he's making little Vel- Velcro labels for everyone. And that's where we get the first suggestion that he may have jizzed into the hand wash, which is then a throwaway reference later when Colossus sniffs his fingers. <sighs> um, 
which is a very Deadpool joke. Like it's a very yeah, Deadpool joke. It is. It is quite good. Um, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't deny that. Uh, oh, we get another continuity breaking character as well. Uh, we get Yukio. Yes, who was in the Wolverine as an older character set before slash after this who's got nothing to do with this but there you go uh and again we get a continuity breaking thing where we do get and it's a fun little cameo the idea of him saying right seriously why is it net why are there never any other x-men here whenever i show up this is ridiculous this is fucking stupid as as um like beast quietly closes the door on a meeting of the x-men in another room fun throwaway gag made more complicated by the fact that we don't fucking know what the continuity is anymore. That's clearly the cast of characters in the the film that we last saw set in the mid-80s. This is weird, but fun joke. Like It's a a fun little, oh, there are other X-Men. There they are. They're just purposefully avoiding this conversation. Okay, fair enough. Um, It's also the same same mansion that we see in uh, First Class as well. I think they keep that pretty consistent. For the most part, it, it, For do, the it, do, it does go... For the prequel films. Oh, sorry, not First Class, sorry, not First Class. Uh, 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 Days of Future Past. From Days of Future Past onwards, they try to, like, keep it as the same one. Um, mm. <clears throat> the exterior is different in nearly every movie. <laughs> like, it's the same exterior as we saw in the two Deadpool... In the two Deadpool films, the exterior is the same. Um, the interior is now starting to match some of the others. Uh, I like the Cerebro joke. Yeah, that's not him, bad. Him just fucking around with the helmet and then just a little little break of it before the scene moves on. Yeah. I, li- I like him mimicking uh, sort of a cover from, from the Daniel Way run of him wearing like an X-Men t-shirt as a uniform. <laughs> and I love the, I love the trainee gag. <laughs> like every time he brings it, trainee! It's like, okay. Um, one thing this film could do with less of, any film for that matter, yeah. is TJ Miller. Um, and not just because it's TJ yeah. Miller, but also because in this film, Deadpool is now part of a gang of wacky, snappy, quipping, la 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 la. The scenes between Ryan Reynolds and TJ Miller just improving and sparring with each other in the first one are kind of fun. Um, it's not as fun in this because it's just TJ Miller will now add another line. Yeah. Also, on top of Weasel and Wade, you have Dupenda who I don't think is an unwelcome addition, but is a joke that because there's too many comedy cooks, yeah, it just kind of, it's, 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 you need to lose either Weasel or Dupinder. Yeah. And I would rather lose Weasel because TJ Miller. Um, also because Dupinder sort of would be this then fun reflection of Wade is trying his best to mentor and be there for Russell. And here is an example of him doing that in the last film that's gone horribly fucking wrong. It would be a nice little mirror. But it's just too I, many wacky characters in. Uh, in yeah, I think that the whole thing is right. Like Tim Miller exited the sequel, the sequel because Ryan Reynolds wanted to be in control of the franchise. Mm. I get that. I get yeah. Ryan Reynolds wanting to sort of shepherd this because it is his kind of his baby project. But I think the problem is that Ryan Reynolds wants to make it. It is a comedy. It should be funny. It should be a mm. comedy franchise. Yeah. But he wants to make it funny at the expense of it being well written. Like yeah, there's there's almost it, it, the thing that saves it is having more grounded character. The thing that saves it every now and again is that it has these more yeah. grounded characters in there. Like Cable is never played for laughs. No. Um, 
Domino is not played for laughs, but she's played with with a sense of humour to it. And, and I mean, she's played with charisma, light. which you know, yeah, you, oh, Zazie can take you a long way. She's Zazie really good in this. Fucking charismatic in this. Um, the X Force team, like obviously, two of them are sort of the comedy characters of Peter and the Vanisher, but the rest of them are played more as like no, they they are sincere in terms well, they, of their context they're, they're, and what they're here to yeah. do as characters. They're completely sincere. Um, but then the whole star and Bedlam, like, yeah. You know, they're, they're playing it like, no, we're, we're going to do this. We're mutants. We're a team. We're going to do this mission together. It's going to be great. And I like that because, one, it's just sort of cool to see, you know, <laughs> cool to see that sincerity at this point in the movie. Yeah. I mean, Colossus is very sincere, but he's also played for laughs a lot. Um, but, like, it, it's really nice to see that because it's like, oh, shit. The film's been missing this a little bit up to this point. And then it hits... It, it helps the gag land a bit more of the really morbid. Oh fuck! They're all dead. Like yeah. they're all dead immediately, which I think has slightly diminishing returns over the years. Oh, definitely, definitely. But at it, the, it didn't at, at the time for me. It really worked because the marketing just before the film came out was so heavily on this. Yeah. Oh my god, he's got a team together. But I think that's one of those things. That's definitely something that they did. That, there are things in this film that just don't work on a second viewing. Mm. And I think that's one of them. Because you know what's coming. Because you, Yeah, and so this, it sort of undercuts all the sincerity. Yeah. Because you know you know what the punchline of the gag is. And some jokes just aren't funny if you already know the punchline. Some of them are. Yeah. Some of them remain funny because you know what's coming. That isn't one of them. No. Um, thankfully, they move past it pretty quick. Oh yeah, it, get, it is immediately skirted past it and, and leads into a really fucking great action sequence. Yes, yeah, like really, yeah. really good action sequence. Like the whole thing with the everything from the end of that sort of oh well, X Force are all dead bit. Uh, Every everything from the moment you see Stan Lee's face on the side of a building. Yeah, basically, like everything from there is like oh this is good. Yeah, this like, is this really is good. Real good. And then it dips a bit in the shirt cocking sequence, like which again, which again takes a takes a fun idea for a gag. Mm. And then just runs it into the ground. Only anchored by Josh Brolin yeah. being sincere. Yeah. And, and Leslie Ogham delivering, delivering a fucking perfect like end of scene line. Yeah. That, that, that scene could be a good five minutes shorter and it would be better. Because like what you want to get to is the bit where he gets up and walks over a cable. Like that mm. is still hilarious. That yeah. is piss funny. I mean, I wish TJ Miller would shut up during it. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like, he's a big, he's a big part of the problem, like yeah. in that scene. Um, so, it, but he it, he works so well in the first one because all the scenes where he's just improving punchlines is in a sparring match with Ryan Reynolds in the yeah. first one. It's it's about them going back and forth, and then you watch the extras and see that they had like seventy thousand more options. Yeah, and they just picked some of the sharpest ones for the movie. Whereas but, in this, there's a lot of just let TJ talk, let him talk. Yeah, let him and say it's just. Things. It doesn't quite work, especially because, the, like you say, the fun the fun of that scene is Cable's reactions to the just stupidity of it all. Yeah. Um, and to Devon Domino to a degree. Yeah. Although her, she seems to be breezing through it a lot more. Like, yeah. this is weird, but something is telling me I need to still be here. So there is the, the, I guess I'm going along with it. There is the great line where they're in the they're in the car on the way to the sort of the last mission. It's like I should have finished college. Yeah. Because she's just this you've said it in the situation she's in. But she doesn't exasperate at it because because he she knows she's lucky, she kind of Yeah, she's sort she's of just breeze, kind of she's sort everything of breezing with a smile. Through. It's nice it's a nice character. I like it. I like it. 
and 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 again, I like the subtle redesign. Like they 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 made the very smart choice of the actor we are casting is not white or alabaster white. No, so it would be weird to make her that and then give her the black domino <laughs> around her eye. So instead, uh, what's it what's it called? It's a, uh, skin uh, thing, isn't it? it's vitiligo, a, I think. Yeah, hang on. Let's look it up. So we got it bloody. Um. I can't see it described here, written down. It's probably in the production thing, but yeah, it's 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 a, yeah, it's, it's a, vitiligo. There it is. It's a it's a neat little, it's a neat little change that is like you look at her and you go, yeah, that's Domino, that's Domino. Yeah, yeah it's like there yeah. she is. Hi, um, and she brings a lot to it. And again, it's like you say, charisma. My the thing I love the most about this film is again, and it's it's it goes against what the film's aiming to do ultimately it's part of the plan for the film but it's it's not like the mission statement is brolin's performance as cable yeah he's really he's just a really good straight man yeah it it, it's it's so needed yeah like it is so needed. like the the straight man in the original film was you the audience yeah wade was bouncing off of you and taking you along for a ride this time we're kind of just observing a deadpool adventure yeah occasionally with him going all right i'm gonna narrate to you now and we'll talk a little bit and and the wackiness sort of gets it because it is just wacky 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 it just doesn't nothing really lands until you have a straight man to bounce off that's that's comedy that's got like you can't if if it's just wacky all the time Mm. there's nothing to sort of bring you back and give you that contrast which you need to get a good to make it funny, yeah, it just it just it just sort of washes over you. It's why the the Anchorman movies like don't work on repeat viewings and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, like a, a lot of that sort of very improv heavy comedy, like your 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 Anchorman's, your um, like a lot of the Will Ferrell stuff, uh, the like the your, your um, Zoolanders and things like that. Yeah, they just don't work on repeat viewings because it's just a bunch of people being silly. And you string it together, and it's funny the first time you see it. Cause it's like, ah, oh, this is silly. And you, if you ever watch it again, you're like, oh, that's. It's why it's why oh, things this is like that bit it's why this. things like Naked Gun like endure way longer, like Pink Panther and stuff, because like the ridiculousness is beautifully choreographed, yes, and orchestrated, yes, and there's t- there's like skill beyond a momentary random line. Ha ha, wasn't that funny? We'll move on in there. That's well, not like- to say there wasn't improv in those movies. Of course there was, but it's all about structured like carefully cultivated moments yeah. of spontaneity. It's why, it's why things like things like the beaver gag in Naked Gun yeah. always makes me laugh. Yeah. Because it's it's I know exactly what's coming, but it's just the concept, the, the execution, the delivery, yeah. like the timing of it is so <laughs> spot on. Yeah. Um the protection gag with the 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 big body the full, oh, the full with the body two giant condoms. Yeah, yeah. Just it the, it's so like you say, it's so well choreographed, and Which anything and sort of Peter Sellers did out. in a Pink Panther movie, yeah, right? it just it's. Whereas, whereas people are not going to talk about um, T.J. Miller constantly referencing the avocado line from the first movie mm. in the same way. Which mm. I, I, on this rewatch, because I've, I've watched Deadpool two a fair few times, I do enjoy Deadpool two as Deadpool two as a whole. Well, like, I don't hate it, but I just I just don't think it's anywhere near as strong as the first one. Oh no, the first the first is um first is lightning in a bottle. This is yeah. like sort of yeah, this yeah. is like sort of putting your ear to the bottle to listen to the thunder for a bit. Um, it, it's 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 very familiar. It's very comfortable. Um, because you're it returning is, to something you enjoyed, but 
by the it end is an of echo it, of... yeah by the end of it you could have just watched the thing you enjoyed again yeah yeah um there's still like some decent stuff in here like like again brolin as cable design as well like just yeah. the look of him is yeah, fucking yeah. great it's a great yeah. version of him um and x-men fans get a tiny little they get a little tiny little bone thrown their way when he when in the, after he goes back in time to correct it he you know references daughter's called hope and it's like yeah. oh, hope summers there you go everyone ding 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 uh, i mean the essex corporation own the the orphanage but so again they don't do anything they with don't the do orphanage. anything with it other than oh these people are taking in mutants as often often mutants and torturing them to see yeah, what their they, powers will do. They don't but, really do anything to make Eddie Marsan's character like a yeah, particularly who is, interesting villain. Yeah, he's he's like he's not with um the Essex Corporation and everything, like in the same way you would imagine uh, someone working with them to be if you know the comics Mr. Sinister, because this guy's just like, No, you're all sins and we must yeah. get rid of you. It's like what? What is this? And I see why they did that. I, I think the blessed are the wicked who are healed by my hand thing turning into future Russell's like sort of mantra mm. for killing people. That's that's a nice sort of little bit of sinister symmetry. symmetry. The idea that the thing, the, the, the preacher's words as they abused and tortured him as a kid becomes the thing he lives his life by when he's yeah. murdering people by it's... his hand and everything. Like it's that's there's a nice thing there, and I think Julian Dennison does a really good job as playing this adolescent, like misled, scared mutant. Like yeah, I like, I like Julian Dennison a lot. I think he's good in this. Some of his gags are a bit yeah. daft, like a bit a bit much. Like the constant references to the the prison wallet get a bit much. Yeah, like the idea of the. The, keep talking about the fact that he's got a pen that was stuffed up his ass and everything. Like, all you needed to do was have him bring it out in the ice box and then try to stab someone with it, and then have him bring it out again at the end to unlock the collar. Like that would have been. Yeah. There it is. Like, oh god, it's the pen he out of his ass. He's still got it. But like Deadpool keeps mentioning it throughout the yeah, movie. That's, that's what I mean. It's the, there's no restraint. There's yeah. no restraint, and so it just sort of runs wild. And it because yeah, it it's not unfunny as a whole like it does hit but mm. because they're throwing so much out there it there's a fair few misses because it's not it just needs pruning back just yeah. a touch for it I, to hit way better i like uh i like the i like i really like the whole line of like do you ever see any plus size superheroes it's the, this industry discriminates because Russell, yeah that's good whether he realized it Less than a year later, the character uh, got some justification in Avengers Endgame, uh, where Thor, packing the pounds on, got to be a badass at the end. And and I was talking to uh, I was talking to about this the other day. It was some, someone at my someone at my, my my job. We were talking about like Thor and everything, and that I was they brought up the whole like him being Tubby in the last one. It's everyone sort of saw it as a joke, but it's not really like it. It's it, there's an, there's an immediate like kind of laughter. Oh God. Cause you're not used to seeing him that size, but then it's never played off as a joke. His weight yeah, is I never played off as a joke. I don't think they quite stuck the landing on what they're trying to do with like using it as an, as an expression of his sort of trauma. And yeah, there, and... There, there's, 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 there was definitely, there were definitely would have been more subtle and nuanced ways to do that. Yeah. I don't, so I don't think they quite landed on that, but, it, but it, I yeah, I got you mean. I appreciate that they don't super slim him when he powers up at the end. Cause they, yeah. y you know that 
any other filmmakers other than maybe the Russos would have done that. They would have gone, mm. yeah, no, he zaps at the end and he's all buffing again. And these guys were like, no, he's a big guy now and we're going to make him look like a badass as he is. So we're going to go with the, the the braided hair, the braided beard. We're going to go with the bigger armor to hold in his like his weight and his size. We're going to give him the fuck off cape and the giant stormbreaker. Like let's go with it. Why not? Like Volstag's a badass. Why can't Thor be a badass like when he's a bigger size? Let's do it. But yeah. like, I, I again, I do I do like that observation in this. And and uh, quoted Den- Den- Julian Dennison said uh, when he was interviewed about it, that he says um he felt the role's particularly special be because being chubby, he would watch superhero films and quote never see anyone like me. I'm excited uh, to be that for other kids who look like me. Unquote. Yeah. Which yeah, like even though he's he's the potential villain of the story, like it is cool to see him lobbing fireballs out of his hands and just like torturing, yeah. torturing a religious, um, <laughs> a religious racist. Yeah, lo- um, love love racist torture, like the torture I, of racists. I love, I, I love the line that the, the way Deadpool keeps talking about the the orderly at the beginning with his secret sex lips and basically yeah, that's a great line. Just just, just basically like. <laughs> he just just pigeonholing him as probably a pedophile. That's what I mean. There's so there's but, there's but, there then, are... but then calls him Jared Kushner at one yeah. point, which is just like, oh, he does look like him. That's what oh, I mean. There's perfectly observed. There are so many lines in this that <laughs> that really land like that, but it's the smaller like one-off moments. Because then in that same sequence you also get the I'm an X-Man trainee gag which they just keep oh, doing I, I appreciated that well yeah it could have been one less because it's very obvious that they've just got brianna hildebrand in the in the adr yeah doing the follow-up ones yeah yeah it's yeah, just really on that it doesn't quite yeah. just they just overdo it just a touch it's just it's frustrating it's, it's like ghostbusters it's not as bad as ghostbusters 2016 but it is frustrating in the same way because it is a case of you have something good here just ease back a little bit just ease back a little bit mm. and you, you're there and, and no, no, which uh, it, which takes me to the, sort of the end of the film with the time travel gags at the end I just yeah, I just let's, think it's let's, too let's, much let's, let's talk about that first before we talk about the one last big plus of the movie so go on the, the time travel gags is it's, it's a cable sacrifice he has two charges and this is my issue with it mostly with that one yeah. he has two charges and the whole point of him going back and saving Deadpool's life is that it, he's essentially thanking Wade for securing the future. Yeah. And setting up the film that was going to happen that isn't happening now, which was an X-Force movie with Cable as the main character. Yeah. Um, yeah, because Josh so, Brolin signed on for four films as Cable. Four movies, and he might still be held to that. He might still be offered that. Yeah, and if not, he'll be, if not, he'll be paid a lot of money to be bought out of that contract. <laughs> so yeah, I imagine so. It's a win for Brolin. Um but and you know obviously like well but he was Thanos yeah I mean this film acknowledges that there's one throwaway line where Deadpool calls him Thanos as well so like mm. there you go but uh, yeah he's like you know I'm gonna stick around for a while make sure you don't fuck up the world and then five minutes later we're in the mid credit scene and Negasonic Teenage Warhead who's not been shown to be a technical genius at any other point or Yukio for that matter fix a time travel machine yeah now obviously it's for the sake of a gag but the writers also were like, yeah, the reason why we're not too bothered about the Vanessa criticism is because she still was always going to come back to life in the end, in the post credit in the mid credit scene. You can have it one way or the other, guys. Is it a joke or is it a serious emotional payoff? Yeah, Which because it, it, it? it it take it basically it, retroactively removes all the stakes. 
Yeah, because the time the travel film. in the time travel in this is played. To be fair, like the time travel in the X Men comic books, like it's played very sort of Back to the Futurey and and everything. Like he can be back here now doing this, even though that would change the future, but that doesn't serve the story. So instead, he's going to be here now and yeah, all that stuff. Like because of course, if if Fire Fist. And I do like the fact Deadpool can't help himself but laugh at that. Originally. I mean, it is a bad name, yeah. It is a bad name. Um, if Firefist doesn't kill Cable's family, then Cable wouldn't go back in time to stop Firefist or kill Firefist. So it is that whole thing of like, if the timeline's righted, why is Cable still here? Like, yeah. he, sh- he should now just fade into the future and disappear as the timeline corrects itself. Um, But then, of course, why would he be stopped from blah, 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 blah. Um, Point is, you either play it for a laugh or you play it straight, and they play it for a laugh because now the time travel device is a thing. Yeah, because whenever they have the choice to play something straight or play it for a laugh, they always play it for a laugh, regardless of whether that's the right choice or not. Yeah, yeah. You can still be funny whilst taking the world of it seriously. You just have to be smarter in how you write the jokes. Yeah. Um, I don't mind the little. I don't mind the little throwaway gags either side of that. Like I don't mind the Wolverine one. I think that's just it. That that's a very Deadpool. We are breaking the fourth wall completely here to go. Uh, yeah, we know one, that. We know that Deadpool was shit. That's why we made this Deadpool anyway. And... The Wolverine one is is fine. It just goes on a little too long. Just a little too long. Like a couple of seconds too long. Yeah. Like they just they just hold on on uh, unused like, footage of Hugh Jackman reacting. Yeah. Yeah. And and the Wade's sort of exit is a bit overdone. Yeah, um, yeah, because, the, because because it doesn't it 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 doesn't pay off now, no. because that was part of a bid by Ryan Reynolds to convince Hugh Jackman to sign on for a Deadpool Wolverine movie. Yeah, which he really wanted to do, and Hugh Jackman had expressed interest in it. And then after the way Logan was received, he doubled down on no. Do you know what? I am actually done now. This is the perfect note to leave on. Yeah, and I think he was um, right to do that. And and Ryan Reynolds then was like, right. So there's that joke in the film where he's like, your buddy Deadpool's going to call on you. You say yes. And it's like, that now doesn't make sense because there will never be that project. Yeah. So like that would have paid off if in secret, Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds had already signed on to make yeah. this like third film. And then we got it. But it, um, it still would have been lost in the shuffle of the mur- of the Fox murder, I think. All he, um, had to, all he had to do is he had to, would have to just walked in, shot the other Deadpool in the head, and then be like, thank God. Sorry, yeah. been waiting nine years to do that. Okay, bye. Like, um, loved you and lame is. Bye. Just like, you know, a little, and then move on. And I don't hate the Green Lantern joke, but it does kind of feel more like a private joke now. It feels like yeah, a mean joke. It, 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 it feels a bit mean-spirited. Yeah, because Ryan Reynolds just still like, made that movie, and people yeah. worked on that movie. And it's not a great movie, but like, if not for that film, he wouldn't have met his wife. He wouldn't have met with Taika Waititi, which has led to production collaborations. Do you know yeah. what I mean? The DC films wouldn't like have got off in a way that they did. Um, we wouldn't have been able to see Peter Sarsgaard's sweaty, greasy prosthetic forehead. <laughs> we wouldn't have been able to see Mark Strong getting to play a really sort of like, yeah, this suits him role again. And be denied anymore yeah. um you know all the hits like all the hits it's it, it, it just yeah it feels mean-spirited because it's the it it's one more green lantern joke 
after the first film packed in like three of them which i think is again is the same problem with the dead with the x-men origins wolverine joke yeah i get yeah well it's 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 brushed over in the first one it's just an action figure he's like which is why it's funnier yeah yeah true so i think i think the green lantern gag in the credits for this would have worked better and been less egregious if there was no mention of Green Lantern in the first film at all. If yeah. it was just after two films, oh, it's a joke about how he's glad he's making this, these films and not that one anymore. Like, ah, ha, ha, sure. But like you said, people still made it. Yeah. Like, people still made Green Lantern. What it should have been is like, where's that Where's that audition script? And just Deadpool shredding it in the corner of the room or something. And like, so it's more a, he will never yeah, audition but, for but, Green Lantern, rather than, they have I'm to go kill for the... you for being in that movie. Yeah, yeah, but they always go for the thing that's more sort of, quote-unquote, edgy. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, I kind of like the idea that they're, they're, they're making massive comparisons with Ryan Reynolds and everything, and Deadpool, like, obviously because he plays him, but around that time in the comics, before he was cast in X-Men Origins, there was this throwaway line in the comic, which Ryan Reynolds read and was like, oh my god! Because he did dip into Deadpool comics. That's why he was a big yeah. fan of the character. Every now and again, he would buy the books and catch up. Uh, where someone says, like, what do you look like under that mask? And he said, Ryan Reynolds, uh, Ryan Reynolds crossed with a Sharpe. <laughs> so, do you know what I mean? It was just one of those things where it's like, yeah, these two, this actor and this character are now cosmically intertwined. Like, yeah. there's always going to be some kind of of reference going on. And, and, and you know, maybe, maybe, that, maybe that's right. But, like, to hammer it in. However, Ryan Reynolds gives us one other performance in this film. Um, yes. There is, and I want to end on this, because it is, like you said before, one of the absolute fucking bonuses of this movie. And it's and it's a weird performance, because the way that they've treated his voice sounds like Josh Brolin. Yeah. So so this film's got some weird little cameos. Matt Damon, uh, uh, Alan Tudyk, Brad Pitt. Uh, you know, little throwaway ones, slightly longer ones, like, you know... Um, uh, uh, Oh, Terry Crews and stuff, but the the best one is a, a character cameo. A, a character's cameo in the movie that turns out to be important to Act 3's entire structure. Mm. Um, the monster in the basement of the icebox. The the character model, uh, what you can see of it, is visually based off director David Leach. Uh, the motion capture, the facial capture, and the voice, albeit with some treatment on it, is Ryan Reynolds doubling up as the Juggernaut? The Juggernaut. Ho- holy shit balls! Oh, holy shit ball! That is my favorite gag in the film, and it's not even a joke. The score when the Juggernaut is fighting. Yeah. You can't stop this motherfucker. <laughs> like, it's just this whole beautiful chor- chor- like chorus arrangement, like a lot. You know, a, a full on. Like it's basically again, a DSE, it's, it's basically a DSE, right? It's that really it's yeah. arranged in that kind of holy shit. Like, this but it's the subtlety that grand, makes it funny. Yeah, but because and, you don't immediately notice it, and they they give you a they give you a little payoff for paying attention during the end credits, where if you stick around long enough, you get to hear it uninterrupted, like at full volume. It's, it's like that is fun. Um, the juggernauts in this movie, the fucking juggernaut. And they don't reference the previous take on him. They don't mention it once. Like the closest you get as a reference is that he escapes a convoy. Yeah. That's it. Like he, his his arrival in the movie is the same as it is in X3. He is mm. broken out of a convoy truck taking dangerous mutants from A to B. 
There it is. Boom. That's all um, you need. We don't get a we don't get him in full costume, but we don't need to. We get like a version of it, especially when you let in the fight with Colossus. He just rips his sleeves off, and you're like, "There we go." Now he looks a bit more like the Joker. Close enough. He's got his bare arms out. Yeah. Um, I like the helmet being sort of a separate piece to yep. the neck. Um, it looks more like a Sontaran. Um, I mean, he's very Sontaran adjacent as a design. Yeah. He is. Um, he's the right size this time. He's <laughs> like, enormous, yeah. He's a big fucking boy. Um, there's a throwaway reference to Xavier, but it's not obvious unless you know, yeah. which is yeah. kind of nice. Um, and I like the fact that his entire motivation is just, right, this lad helped me break out. He's been nice to me. Sure, I'll help him out. What do you want to do? We're going to beat up, beat up a pedophile. All right, let's go. Cool. <laughs> like, that's his entire motivation. And, and Yeah, and, and then just he's been rumbling for a fight and he gets one. Rumbling um, for a rumble. Yeah. Um, you're, you're the X-Men fan uh, yeah. in this podcast. You're the X-Men boy. Yeah. Uh, is this everything you ever wanted from the Juggernaut in live action and more? <laughs> Not quite, but it's pretty close. <laughs> why does it work for you? Why Why does this one work where the previous iteration terribly failed? Uh, it's not Vinnie Jones. <laughs> it's not a really bad muscle suit. Yeah. And you get to see him go toe-to-toe with someone who's in his size class. Yeah. Yeah, he goes up against Colossus. I mean, now that you've said Vinnie Jones, I wouldn't have hated it if they'd got him to voice him. You know what? I wouldn't have hated it if they if they brought him back, just not with that design and that crappy muscle suit costume. Like, ugh. just make but, make him the motion capture, even. Just yeah, like, you know, that's been that's been unfair. Like, Vinnie Jones was not the problem with that version of Juggernaut. That version of Juggernaut was the problem with that version of I mean, Juggernaut. Thanks to him, we remember like, that version of Juggernaut. Like, and we all quote him and say stupid lines that he says in the movie. But you know, because of his energy and his actual enthusiasm. Mm. Um. <laughs> what do we think about how much punishment the juggernaut takes in this final fight I love it <laughs> he gets he, he gets fucking wrecked yeah it's great like he causes some damage like he te- I mean when we first see him and Deadpool just lists off a series of comic covers where the juggernaut's head is front and centre yeah um involving including the first mention of Thor in a Fox movie yeah as well um and they probably got around that legally because technically Thor isn't a public domain name. So we'll mention yeah. Thor. Because um, I was like, come on, mention the Spider-Man story. Cowards. Mm. Um, <laughs> the first thing he does is just like, I'm going to rip you in half now. And then just rips Deadpool in half. Without missing a beat. It's great. Yeah. So we get a ver- we get, we get a version of, um, what do you call it? Ultimate Hulk and, and Ultimate yeah. Wolverine. Like, where he rips him to pieces, just throws it. And I like that guy. I can't feel my leg. Oh, no, wait, here they are. He just like pats his, his own shins. It's good. It's good. <laughs> uh, and I like the Yoda backpack. Yeah, that's <laughs> good. Domino carrying him away using his legs and scraps. Good. And like I say, the baby leg sequence is a, is, is a pretty fun sequence if you trim it down by about five minutes. <laughs> Poor blind owl. Um, she, just wanted to, she just wanted to build a, a, a freaking whatever the name of the Ikea cabinet was <laughs> and watch her stories. That's all she wanted to do. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I love the look of him. I love the weight of him. I love the fucking size of him. I love the bit with the school bus being chucked. The whole like, we need a, a was it? Bus to get, <laughs> we need a bus to get all these kids out of here. Bus smashes through. 
Come along, children. Uh, yeah. Good. Great. <laughs> no, is it? Great. This, this way, orphans. <laughs> it's very good. It's Basically very Beats good. It's fucking great. It's like I said, there movie. is a lot of good stuff in this film. It's just, it's, it's, it doesn't quite hold together. It just, they just, because they overdo it in the wrong places. Yeah. I, I do wish we, we got to see in that alternate universe play out a little bit with the X-Force film that was in the planning from this. And, yeah, that would have been nice. And was on the cards up until a month after the Fox purchase by Disney. Yeah. Uh, it was only then that all the X-Men... It was, it was after the purchase that, obviously, Disney and probably Marvel Studios weighed up their options and made the call to cancel all X-Men films well, that were in development. They probably saw whatever state New Mutants was in at that point and were like, do you want to do any more of these? Do you want to... Because that was, that was already... There was a sequel planned for that, not necessarily yeah, yeah. green lit, but planned. And Gambit was as of that time. And I, like still... I haven't seen New Mutants at this point, so I can't speak to it that, personally. That's what's but... going to make our next X Men yeah. retrospective interesting: is that we'll both be watching a movie for it that we've not seen before. Yeah. So that's going to be different. That is um, going to be different. And I'm excited for it in many ways. Um, speaking of excited, uh, yes, we're coming to an end on this week. Um. If you've got emails, folks, send them in. Especially for next week, because um, next week we turn five. This fucking stupid odd. thing that's in your ear right now has been going on for five years as of next week. And as it's our fifth anniversary, we want to hear from you. And what we want to hear from you is your pin numbers. We want your <laughs> maiden names. No, no, no. It's a joke. It's a joke. I have to establish that's a joke because this is the internet and some people will fall for it. Um, we want to hear from you. We want to know when you jumped on the Big Damn Cast. We want to know which episodes you've revisited. We want to know which is a fave of yours. Um, just let us know. Wish us happy birthday, you bastards. We want to yeah, hear it'd be nice. It. So bigdamncontact at gmail.com. You can also tweet us at Big Damn Cast on Twitter. You can catch Matt live on Fridays uh, on twitch.tv slash bigdamnstream. And as for next week's episode... Keep an eye on the socials in the coming yeah. days. Because you might be surprised in it. So. We've still not nailed down the exact plan, but. No, because life. <laughs> You'll Cause know. Because life. Um, but with some, it will happen. So pay very, very, very close attention to our Do social that. media folks in the coming days. Uh, we'll love you and leave you with uh, Matt's favourite line. From Deadpool 2. Take it away, Matt. <laughs> Jesus. This is all your fault, Ian. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>